take a deep breath and remember there's a power breathing you. This is your space of sanity in an evolving world where we learn about spiritual law and how to apply it to our lives in a way that is practical and life-changing. This is where we remember truth to make the world a better place one person at a time. I'm Claire Lotier, inspirational speaker, teacher of the technology of transformation, and a certified life mastery consultant and spiritual coach. Welcome to the Grace Space. If you've listened to the two previous episodes about how we came to acquire and live in our beautiful home in southern France, you know that at this point in the story, I've managed to physically locate the actual property, even though I had virtually no information about it aside from a few pictures and a general area. If you haven't heard the first two installments of this story, you might want to go back and listen to them just so you have some context for what's coming next. And I can assure you that things are about to get weirder and more wonderful. You know, up until pretty recently, I wasn't one to share personal details about my life except for with my close friends and family. I would consider myself somewhat reserved and private by nature. But thanks to you, I have gradually gained the courage to share stories from my own life as a way of illustrating the spiritual principles I teach. This has gently called me out of my comfort zone, so I want to thank you for that because it's helped me to let those stories go. Some of them might not be very flattering to the personal self, but we're not the personal self. We are beings of light in this temporary form, which is an instrument for learning. And the narratives this personal self accumulates serve a spiritual purpose. They're what we must eventually let go of to discover our true nature, which is the light of consciousness in which this world appears. The beauty of having a dream in your heart for the future you would love to live in is that it causes you to grow at the personal 3D level and to call upon and develop currency with your higher spiritual faculties. A dream or vision by definition is something that is beyond what you believe is your ability to manifest and so it requires you to open yourself to that in you which is nonlinear quantum consciousness in going beyond your small self and reaching out into the unknown to bring back something you thought you couldn't from the limited standpoint of the 3d you realize you must be more than what you thought and this is essential for waking up to the truth that there's far more to us than meets the eye. The more we embrace our true nature, the more we become aware of how much we have limited ourselves and suffered from our identification with the ego. The ego is part of the matrix of illusion that for as long as we can remember has been the reality for nearly everyone on the planet. This is all changing now, and there's an invitation for us to step out of the matrix, the illusion of darkness and death and mayhem that has been life on this planet. 
The focus of this podcast since we started season two has been on grace and ease and the potential to bring those states into our daily life as a living reality. Now, I want to address this because I've been getting so many questions from my clients about this right now, especially many heart centered people are asking, is it right for me to be focused on living with grace and ease when there's so much evil and destruction in the world? Isn't it selfish to want to be in bliss when so many are suffering? I mean, it's all very well if you don't have bombs falling on your head, but what about the people for whom this is the reality? And my response is this, it is absolutely essential that we free ourselves from fear, despair, righteous anger, and hatred, and that we limit our exposure to sources that stir up those feelings in us. While we are feeding the collective with that vibration, we are part of the problem and not the solution. In addition to any material help you choose to provide those who are in real trouble at this time, be very aware of what vibration you are offering the world. Understand that every nuance of thought and feeling is being fed into the energy field of the collective human consciousness. If you want to make a better world to contribute to peace and healing, you must raise your vibration. You must keep a steady focus on love and compassion, no matter what's going on in the world around you. And some people might see this as selfish, but make no mistake, this is the highest and most powerful help you can offer others in any situation. And this is well documented, by the way. This is not just, you know, pie in the sky, me saying this or other people saying this. It is documented. There have been studies done about the power of prayer and meditation. And it has a very real effect on things like crime statistics, which go down when we send focused energy and love at something in particular, particular situation in the world. So this is indeed the highest and most powerful help that you can offer is your own vibration of love, peace, compassion, sending light. But you have to decide to step out of the matrix of insanity and struggle and suffering. And wherever we struggle is showing us where we're not yet aligned. This series, How I Manifested My Dream Home, is not a manifesto about manifestation. It's not a marketing ploy designed to hook your ego with yet another dangling carrot that if you can learn to use the law of attraction, the lifestyles of the rich and famous can be yours. The universal laws are not magic tricks. Beware of the wolf in sheep's clothing that wants to lure you into a more glamorous version of the illusion. It's still an illusion and it will not satisfy you. I'm telling you this story to encourage you to turn within for your guidance and listen to your heart. Stop looking for guidance outside of you from the media or someone else's opinion. I'm telling you this story to illustrate what happens when we trust and follow our hearts and allow ourselves to be carried by the flow of life rather than trying to control the reality or capitulate to limitation and fear and believe that what is outside of us is more powerful than what is inside of us. No, no. 
This is a story about coming home physically and metaphorically, spiritually. What is home? Well, they say home is where the heart is. Actually, the heart is where home is. We all want to go home, to be home. And when you start to live in your heart instead of your head, you trust and say yes to the guidance of your true self, and you know what that is. And you realize that you are home. This is a story that's free of struggle. To find this place did not require effort, even though my mind wanted to think it should be hard. This is why I doubted myself when I first happened upon it. It was too easy. So the mind didn't trust it. The mind wanted it to be harder, wanted me to pay and struggle and use push energy. But that would have pushed it away. Instead, I allowed it to come to me through love. What do I mean by that exactly, through love? Well, somehow through my love of the land and the area and all the experiences I've had here, even the ones that were painful or difficult, it opened my heart. One of the secrets to manifesting anything is love. That's why you must ask yourself how it is you truly would love to live rather than assuming that you're restricted and limited by your current circumstances. When we begin to own that we are creating our reality, we can then choose to create by design rather than by default. And this is good. This is one of the first steps toward freedom. This moving from a victim mentality to a co-creator mentality. The mistake we tend to make at this stage, though, is to believe that the good we desire is separate from ourselves. And the perception that the good we desire is separate from us or in the future somewhere, or that we're somehow lacking what we want, blocks us from bringing it into our life. There's also usually a deeper belief in there that we cannot have what we want, that it's somehow being kept from us because we don't deserve it. The frequency of that desire is more like craving, right? And craving is the feeling we have when we believe that we're separate from what we want. We need it. We need that thing or that person to be complete. So it's part of our sense of identity. So in coming from that state of consciousness, what we do manage to manifest in spite of ourselves tends to have unintended consequences. But this is all part of our learning. It causes us to grow, and it's often when we get what we want, but it doesn't make us happy, that we start to go deeper and examine our inner motivations. As we grow spiritually and begin to let go of more and more layers of ego, our desires tend to become less focused on form and more directed toward essence. And what we manifest reflects our essence identity becomes more effortless to live. What's happening is that we're no longer manifesting so much from the mind, from the intellect, and instead we're becoming more and more re-centered, refocused in the heart. And when we picture that which we desire lovingly in our heart, and with a knowing that it is already ours, and that no effort is required, we are vibrating at a higher frequency. 
and we have more access to the infinite organizing power of the universe, which can bring us things and synchronicities and the connections and the people that we need to bring about the appearance of something in the material world. All of this happens in a way that is far beyond the capacity of the intellect to figure out. It's a nonlinear process. And we, we don't like to trust it because we've really been trained that, you know, we have to make an effort, work hard. We use a lot of push energy, believing that we are the ones who are making something happen in the world. And it's very far from that. We're not doing anything. We're merely opening to the good that already is. So it is a nonlinear process. And this is one way that we could describe intuition, your nonlinear guidance system. And of course, the ego mind is going to mistrust anything that's nonlinear and that does not come from itself. So the way I ended up finding this place that I had only seen online in pictures that never gave me an overview of what the property looked like from the outside as a whole, the fact that I had no idea where it was located except for in very general terms, the fact that despite my attempts to connect with anyone who could show me the property had failed, all of this meant that I didn't have the quote unquote normal channels to go through. But because I was in love with the feeling of the place, because I had connected with it in my heart somehow, I was able to open myself to unknown ways of being led to it. And the signs came to me through people, through messages from my spirit guides, through particular words that meant something to me, you know, because the universe always speaks to us in a way that we are going to understand. And so these, these were all intuitive knowings that landed me in front of the place on the very first day that I was in the vicinity. But because I didn't trust that it could be that easy, I didn't get to see the place until two weeks later. So you see, the universe gave it to me on a platter, but I refused it initially. So when we left off last time, I had found the road that led me across the little bridge to the property. I had parked off to the side in a little opening in a field and sneaked around to take pictures of the place, peer in all the windows and try to see something, even though all the curtains were drawn. I'd sat on the ground and taken in the beauty and the serenity of the location and generally just enjoyed being there. I had a strong desire to get inside the buildings, but I didn't know how. Eventually, I went back to my car, and when I got there, there was a note on the windshield. I plucked it off and opened it, and it said, This is a private driveway. Please don't park here. <laughs> well, I didn't see a driveway. I just saw a little dirt area next to the road, which is why I had pulled over there. But looking more closely, I could see a faint trail that went through some tall trees, and beyond that, a lovely old stone house. I could see that a man was sitting outside at a table under a big pergola with his MacBook open. I thought, aha, a city person who lives in the country. There must be Wi-Fi here. <laughs> and even though I felt a little trepidatious, having been gently scolded by what I assumed was his note, I walked over to him. I apologized for parking in his driveway, and I asked him if he could tell me anything about the place next door. We started to chat. Well, it is for sale, he said. It used to be part of this place, but then the owners split them up and sold this part of the property separately. Now he's trying to sell that part of the property, nodding over to where I had just come from. <laughs> 
Really, I said, because I saw it online and I made several inquiries, but no one has ever gotten in touch with me. It's been weeks. So I thought it might already be sold or off the market. Not as far as I know, he said. Well, any idea whom I could get in touch with to see the place, I asked. And he gave me the name of the legal representative of the property in a town about half an hour away. He's got the keys and can probably let you in, he said. Well, I was delighted. I thanked him and I went back to the car, all excited to Google the name he'd just given me, which I did immediately. And I saw that it was a notary's office. So I called the notary's office, got the secretary, told her I was extremely interested in speaking with the notary as soon as possible about this property that I was about to leave town and that I could see it today or tomorrow. And then I waited with bated breath for someone to call me back, which they did not. The rest of the day, I went over the pictures I had taken and looked at them again and again and again. I sent them to my husband saying, check this out. Because of all the places I had been to see in France, this was the first one I could imagine my husband having an interest in. I could actually see him there. I waited for a return call from the notary, but my phone did not ring. However, I was not deterred. I thought, well... I will go back again first thing tomorrow morning. And I did. Meanwhile, I had been invited to a friend's that evening. She lives about 40 minutes away, deep in the hills of the Corbières. She lives in a, an old castle in a tiny village called Lanette. And uh, she's, she literally, she and her husband live in the castle uh, of that village, and they are lovingly restoring it uh, little by little. And I showed her the pictures of the property I'd seen, and I said, this is where I'm going to live here in France. <laughs> So I was really putting myself out there. <laughs> and of course, I, um, I got to drive by the place that night on my way to her village and uh, drive by it again on the way back. So I was um, doing flybys, as they say, imagining already that I lived there. Next morning, I woke up ready to go back there. And keep in mind, this was my last full day in France. I was flying out the next day and I had to get to my aunt and uncle's in Montpellier, which is an hour and a half away that night to drop off some of my stuff before I could catch my plane. It was also the first day of the new lockdown and we weren't supposed to be out and about. So time was of the essence, as was a little bit of stealth. Nevertheless, I did not feel any sense of pressure. Somehow I trusted that this was all going to work out. So I just want to call your attention to some of the natural qualities of alignment that were in operation here. There was no struggle or efforting, but I did take action. We can act without being in push energy. In other words, we can act from a surrendered state and without attachment. That was the plane I seemed to be operating on for some reason. The clock was ticking, so I had to be efficient, but not pressured. There was also a quality of persistence and moving forward despite apparent obstacles, such as people never returning my calls. But I didn't take it personally or feel like anything was against me. I just kept moving forward. What else can I do, right? So there was resourcefulness in saying yes to opportunities to connect with strangers and ask questions. So that was me stepping out of my comfort zone. That's out of the comfort zone for me as I tend to clam up and try to do everything on my own rather than ask for help or talk to strangers. 
And there was also receptivity to intuitive nudges. So receptivity, trust, persistence, willingness to step out of the comfort zone, and also um, the assumption of a positive conclusion, the way that I told my friend, this is the place that I'm going to be living in, right? So all of this plus aligned action steps are necessary on our part to take advantage of what the universe is putting in our path. I drove back to the little village that next morning and parked in the tiny square next to the church. I decided to walk out to the property, which took about five minutes. It was another absolutely beautiful day, and I was in absolute heaven hearing the sound of the river as I walked down the road. I was so happy. I crossed over the tiny bridge on foot this time and watched the river rushing under it. I walked up the hill to the property, I didn't know what I was going to do since I'd been there the day before and taken about 50 pictures, but this time I took some videos as well and looked at things more closely. I was full of inspiration and love for the land, the valley, the river, the birds, the trees and the flowers, the stones of the building. It felt like all of it was communicating with me. I thought about how many elements of this place matched the vision I had had of my place of domes and what I had imagined when I imagined the perfect place for me, even though there were no domes here, obviously, the essence of the feeling was the same. Peace, quiet, serenity, the sounds of nature. I'd wanted to be someplace private, but not cut off. Here, it was definitely private, but I could see the village a hilltop away from the house. I had wanted a view and a perspective that I had. I had wanted a river I could bathe in, and there it was. I wanted the smells that were in the air here and to be able to pick fruit right off the trees. This place answered all those longings, but it was even greater than I had allowed myself to imagine. I wandered around for a while somewhat aimlessly, and as I headed toward the road again, I heard sounds, and over the little hill came a jogger with his dog. I intercepted them with a wave, and the jogger took off his headphones and seemed slightly perturbed at this stranger interrupting his flow, but I was determined to take advantage of another passerby for more information. Excuse me, I said, do you happen to know anything about this property? I've been told that it's for sale, but I cannot get anyone to return my calls about it. The guy kind of shrugged and then he said, well, why don't you walk down to the mairie in the village? The mairie is the town hall. Maybe they can answer your questions in there. See, in France, most villages have a mairie, in other words, the mayor's office. Usually, it's easy to find. So I began to walk back to the village and thinking to myself, I don't know, it's not likely they'll be open today since the lockdown is starting. But I thought it was worth a try. And as I walked along the road by the river back toward the little village, my mind started saying, this is crazy. What do you think you're doing? This place is way out of your reach. It doesn't make any sense. You can't afford it. It's really big. It's a lot to take care of. You're being unrealistic. This is a fantasy. And so I called upon the unseen forces out loud. Give me a sign, I said. To my mind, this doesn't seem to make sense. But to my heart, it does. Give me a sign that I'm in the right place. Give me a sign that I'm home here and make it crystal clear. 
Arriving in the village, I turned around and around looking for the town hall since it wasn't in the road that was marked Rue de la Mairie, literally Town Hall Street. (laughs) No town hall there. So I merged back into the central square of the village where some backpackers were coming out of a little hotel. They were accompanied by a woman who seemed to be the hostess. She smiled at me in a friendly way and I asked her where the town hall was. She nodded her chin to right behind me and there was a sign saying town hall. We laughed and I asked her if she served coffee because I felt like I wanted a coffee at that moment. Normally, yes, she said, but now with the lockdown, we're officially closed and those are our last customers who just left. So I thanked her and wandered over to the town hall, tried the door, and was surprised to find it open. Like everything else in the village, it was tiny, and I was practically on top of the secretary as as soon as I was in the door. She smiled at me and said, hello. I said, hi, uh, I'm looking to find out more about that property just outside the village over there on the hill. She said, okay, the mayor's just coming out of his office. Maybe he can help you. And just then the mayor popped his head out of his office. I repeated my inquiry to him and he said, why don't you step into my office and I'll go out and make a phone call because I don't have a signal in there and I'll be right back. (laughs) So (laughs) I waited in his office and my eyes scanned the walls and came to rest on a sort of framed commemorative plaque. It was a list of all the mayors of this commune, of this little village, going back to the mid-1800s. As I checked them out, my eyes stopped on the very first name of the list. The very first mayor of record of this village had the same name as me, Lotier. I must say, I was flabbergasted. (laughs) And not surprised at the same time. I started to laugh all by myself in the mayor's office. And right about then, he reappeared. I said, I'm just a little bit stunned to see that on the list of mayors of this village, there's someone with the same name as me. Lotier is my family name. Oh, he said, yes, that's when they first started keeping records. So is that your family? Are you from here? Are these your people? I said, well, I'm, I'm not sure. I mean, except that I've also seen my name in La Grasse and that my grandfather's ancestors lived in the area around Montpellier before they went to Algeria in the 1800s. He said, well, that could be, could be. Anyway, I just spoke with the owner of the property. His name is Christophe, and he will meet you there in 10 minutes. Okay, I said, thank you so much. And I immediately started to boogie to get myself out of there, lest I should miss him. As I said goodbye and exited the town hall, the mayor followed me out a few steps and waved. Welcome home, he said. (laughs) As I walked briskly back toward the property, my heart was pounding with excitement. I had asked for a sign, and I seemed to have been given fairly obvious ones. I felt almost giddy, like I could, I don't know, like I had a little secret. And I was back at the house in no time flat. As I stood at the top of the hill... I could see a white utility van crossing over the bridge and zooming up the hill to the parking area. A white-haired man of about 70 jumped out energetically and came up to greet me. This was Christoph. Hello, hello, he greeted me cheerily, waving some keys. We introduced ourselves and he led me through the large iron gates. For the first time, I felt like I wasn't, you know, an imposter (laughs) sneaking around. How did you come to find the place, he asked. I gave him an abbreviated version of the story, and he mumbled something about useless real estate agents. You've seen the price, 
He turned back at me with a glance. Mm-hmm, I replied, <laughs> trying to conceal my nervousness. I'm willing to negotiate, he answered quickly. And if there's no real estate agent involved, it's better for both of us. Anyway, let me show you around. And he opened the first of many doors. I'll tell you what I saw and about the message he had had from his own spirit guides that very morning in the next installment of the story. If you dream of being part of a spiritually minded community of people who support each other's highest vision for whom they want to be and how they want to live, if you dream of a new earth and a new paradigm of co-creation and cooperation and support, check out the links in the show notes to learn more about how to join my inner circle of members and work with me personally on creating heaven on earth within you here and now. See you soon. Meanwhile, walk in grace. Thank you for joining me in the grace space where you're always in the right place. If you love this podcast, I invite you to subscribe to it and submit a review if you feel called to do so. Also, be sure to sign up for my newsletter right here. I look forward to spending this time with you again next week. Meanwhile, I send you love and blessings. Bye for now.